Welcome to Checked Out, U92's premier hockey podcast. I'm your host, Alex Silverman. Joined alongside me is Anissa Gallo. Anissa, how are we feeling tonight? I'm feeling great, Alex. I'm super excited to get the ball rolling on this. We've been talking about it for a few weeks now, and it finally has come to fruition. Yeah, I'm a little sad over that Flames loss last night. Won't get too much into it now, because I know we're going to talk about the Heritage Classic a little later on, but they're not looking so hot. But the Devils, on the other hand... They're looking pretty good. They've been, for lack of better words, on fire recently. No pun intended. No devil's puns going. It's just been a great season for them so far. So... Good time to be a Devils fan. Bet there'll be a lot of Jack Hughes costumes in Newark for Halloween this year. The NHL's leading point getter the first couple weeks of the season. I'm not sure if they're going to be in Newark, but they'll be around New Jersey. They'll be around. They might be in some other states as well. I've seen a few Jack Hughes jerseys here in Morgantown, so Devils stretch worldwide. Yeah, give them the first game with the Rangers. They'll be haunting the streets of Manhattan really soon. I can only hope. I can really only hope because there's nothing more intense than a New Jersey-New York rivalry. Yep. I feel you can ask any Ranger fan about Game 7 from last year's playoffs. I'm sure they'd have a much different story to tell. I enjoyed watching it. I was extremely happy when I was like, oh, wow. Uh, Finally, I don't have to see the Rangers all over my timeline in the postseason anymore. Like, it's done. I've been released. Yeah, and I don't think you're going to have to see the Rangers go that far this year either. Why do you say that? It's because they're the Rangers. The closest they've gotten in the last few years was that loss to the Kings in which Alec Martinez took care of them in that 3-2 victory, and I don't think they'll be able to overcome that for a few more years. They had to let Tarasenko walk. Not sure if Kane's going to play. Kane might be retired with all his injuries. Has there been any update on a Patrick Kane contract, anything surrounding him? I've seen a lot of speculation on Twitter about him, but nothing's ever been confirmed. So he's out with a hip injury. He actually had hip surgery, I think is the second or third time I know he's had a couple major surgeries before so he's not in injury um free by any means the word on the street is he would be back around early January maybe late December at the very very earliest and I think that's being really generous but also he's a lot older now and he's more than a few years past his prime with the Blackhawks so I wouldn't be surprised if he's a good rental for a team that's in playoff contention. I could see like the Canucks or maybe Anaheim if they're competitive at that point, picking him up. But I can't see a team like the Rangers resigning him. I just don't think it's a good economical fit for the long run. Well, to be fair, the Rangers did bring him in. What was it? Kind of the end of last season as a playoff boost and I don't really think he performed that well for them, did he? He did have that highlight real goal. I want to say it was game two or game three at the Prudential Center in which he went around Devil's defenseman with his customary toe drag and put a top shelf. But other than that, he was pretty quiet in the playoffs. I think of the of the two big pickups the Rangers had last year, that Tarasenko was by far the better one. And even Tarasenko, he looks a lot different because he's a few years past his prime. He isn't the same sniper he once was with the Blues in 2015, 2016, 2017, where he was pretty much unstoppable so I'd be interested to see if Kane gets another shot and same thing for uh, Jonathan Taze I believe I know he's older he's at the end of his career but I still think he has a couple years maybe one or two left in the tank and he's a great guy I'd love to see him win another cup I feel like with certain players like certain players can go past you know late in their 30s but then other ones you kind of get the feeling like they have to they have to kind of like hang it up like they're fizzling out they're not doing anything good and it's better at that rate to just retire instead of kind of piling the injuries and the risk of injury on even more yep and speaking of getting older Alex Ovechkin the grade 8 OV usually penciled in almost every single year for the Rocket Richard Trophy. He's struggling so far. He's only found the back of the net twice and only one time with a goalie in net, and the other time was a customary power play goal from his office. Anissa, are you concerned that Ovi's slowing down? 
I actually laughed at this. I'm really not going to lie. I laughed when I was watching the Caps play and he had yet to score a goal because the way they were set up, they just kept trying to feed him and he was not making anything. He was whiffing it wide, it was going high. It was not going anywhere near the net. But the Capitals, who easily could have scored at least two goals within the amount of times that they tried setting him up, they just kept feeding him and it did not work whatsoever. And I think they ended up losing that game. I can't remember which one it was. It was maybe last week, two weeks ago. But it was just... It was miserable to watch them continuously just try for him. Well, I watched a little bit of the Capitals-Penguins game from a few weeks ago, and I'm shocked the Penguins only won 4 nothing. Evgeny Malkin could have easily had five or six goals in that game, and if someone had told me that Ovi is going to be a future Hall of Famer, which I have no doubt in my mind that he will be, I would have thought that they were crazy. I would have been like, who? You're talking about number eight? Because he just looked off. And speaking of off teams another team that's surprisingly really underperforming it was a cup favor going into this year people said this was the year the Edmonton Oilers Ooh, I mean we can talk about them being cold and then kind of heating up during the Heritage Classic last night or you can just talk about how they got absolutely shelled by the Canucks in the first game they got blown out eight to one by the Canucks a team that Nobody has really looked at over the past few years, but now have been um, gaining interest and traction from people who are like, okay, the Canucks are going to be good. You know, they lock up, you know, they just made Quinn Hughes captain. He's been a stellar defenseman for them. You have all these other moving parts on the Canucks and people are going to start taking them seriously now. Yeah, I thought the Canucks were done last year at the deadline. They traded Bo Horvat away. What a surprising trade that's been. Bo Horvat, he's really cooled off with the Islanders. I thought it was a shame that he left the Canucks because I thought he was a really great fit there. Even though they hadn't had the best seasons, he was putting up good numbers. Now on Long Island, he's kind of struggling a little bit. But that 8-1 win over the Oilers, Brock Besser finds the back of that not once, not twice, not even three times for a hat trick. He has four goals in the game. Connor McDavid only registers an assist on a Leon Dreisaitl goal that only made it a 4-1 game, and that was the closest the Oilers even got to being competitive in the game. Could you see the Canucks' resurgence? I mean, we're talking about the last team last year to get a win in the National Hockey League, blowing out the cup, one of the cup favorites in the Oilers, 8-1 opening night. Canucks looking pretty good. They settled down to earth a little bit, but they've played some pretty good teams, and they've played them competitively. They got two wins over the Oilers, too. They went into Edmonton and came out victorious with a 4-3 victory a couple nights later. So they had their number. Could you see them making the playoffs this year? I could see the Canucks making a good playoff run. Um, I don't know if it would be as deep. You know, you can never count. We learned last year you can never count any teams out. You know, see the Florida Panthers who went in and this, you know, ragtag team of... Um, players went in and steamrolled the Bruins and fought tooth and nail to defeat the Bruins going seven games and then they just kept chipping away eventually going to the Stanley Cup finals so we've learned we cannot count out any single team who is remotely competitive and I think that's the case with the Canucks right now you really have to keep an eye on them you know I've said numerous times to people you know even if the Canucks drop a game or two here, you know, they dropped a close one to the Rangers. Um, you know, they've been they've been chippy and they've been fighting and they've been proving to people, hey, you know, we're coming back. Like the Canucks, watch out. Like everybody just needs to be on high alert because, you know, it's beginning of the season, I get it, but they've been showing really good progress. Yeah, the Canucks remind me of last year's Seattle Kraken team. Everyone said pushover out of the Kraken, second year in the league. Don't have to worry about them. And boy, were they wrong. Took down the defending champs, the Avalanche, in the playoffs in six games, and they gave the Stars a run for their money. That series went six or seven games, and they looked very competitive in that series, too. The Kraken, we're not talking about big superstars on the Kraken, a leading goal scorer from last year, Jared McCann the former Penguin, and the former Panther. That was an interesting one. Other top point getters on that Kraken squad were Vince Dunn and Jaden Schwartz when he was able to stay healthy. Also, Matty Beneers, 
Anissa, thoughts on Matty Beniers? He's one of my favorite players to watch in the NHL. Uh, I'm going to have to disagree on that. I really don't enjoy watching him play. Uh, I just I just don't like his style. I have never been, ever since Seattle became an expansion team, Like I really haven't watched them closely. It's just been like, a, oh, the occasional looking at Seattle, but nothing really jumps out at me just because, you know, it's not what I'm interested in. Fair enough. I think Beniers, if he was on one of the other teams back out east, you know, where the games are nice and early or nice and late, I guess, depending on your bedtime, 7 o'clock Eastern times, I feel like he would get a lot more love in the league. You don't like a little NHL after dark? That's well, my favorite part of the night. When I look on the schedule, I'm like, oh, my God, there's a 10 o'clock game. I get to watch it, do my homework, just kind of be, like, entertained by it. Well, it's better than Pac-12 after dark because you're actually able to see the game on ESPN+. Plus. That might be a reason why the Pac-12 is could be Pac-2 or not even exist after this year. But that's a whole other story. I think we should get in and talk about the Heritage Classic last night. Anissa, double thumbs up, single thumbs up, or mid on the game, or just terrible, turn it off? Um, hmm, this is going to be a tough one because I know a, pe- a lot of people going into the Heritage Classic were excited for it before the season started. And then as Edmonton and Calgary progressed and they were seemingly, for lack of a better word, mid, um, people were like, oh, this is going to be a snooze fest. It's going to be bad. You know, it's up in the air right now which team can win. Like it's either or. And the Oilers came in. They had Connor McDavid come back from his upper body injury, in quotations, because nobody ever elaborates what an upper body injury is in the NHL. You either have upper body or you have a lower body injury. And you just kind of have to like nod your head and be like, okay, that's fine. I'll just move on. But from what I saw, I enjoyed it. I thought it's a really nice setting. And I like the way that they paid, um, you know, kind of homage to the old Edmonton Oilers and the Flames uh, logos. I know we were talking about kind of the history of the Heritage Classic before we started recording, Alex. Yep. So this was actually the 20th anniversary of the NHL playing a regular season game outdoors with the original Heritage Classic being the inaugural NHL game outdoors, regular season game outdoors. That game occurred in 2003. It was between the Canadians and the Oilers at the same Commonwealth Stadium. Fast forward 20 years, Canadians get replaced by the Flames for a good old battle of Alberta out on the pond. And my first thoughts on the game are 5-2 really isn't very reflective of this game. I thought Edmonton early on was going to put up football number scores. I was ready to scream touchdown Oilers. It took the Flames six and a half minutes to get a shot on goal. And the Oilers had already put in two by that point well you can say you can use football terms to describe this game you know calgary got a safety and then edmonton got a safety and a field goal so is it a probable football score no is it possible yes so football terms still work for this one but continue on with your knowledge speaking of football terms calgary should have gotten a five yarder for delay of game for blowing not one but two five on threes during the game Should have set him back at least five yards. First thoughts, looking at the box score, Brett Kulak opened the scoring for the Oilers at the 419 mark. Assists were from Evander Kane and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And Evander Kane, he's really revamped his career in Edmonton. Granted, he's gotten to play alongside Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl, McDavid. Hyman's been pretty good there. But when you say other guys, see other guys that have played with McDavid and Dreisaitl, say Zach Cassian, they've looked pretty good on the Oilers. But when they've gone to other teams, they've kind of come back down to earth and look like their former self. Anissa, in your thoughts, do you think Evander Kane is very good or he's being propped up by some other stars on this Oilers squad? I think, obviously, when you're surrounded by McDavid and Dreisaitl, you have two future Hall of Famers. McDavid is cemented as going to the Hockey Hall of Fame, no doubt. If you say otherwise, I really would want to know your reasoning for it. Dreisaitl is climbing his way up there. I have no doubt before the end of his career, he will be into he will be put into the Hall of Fame with McDavid. You know, be one of those kind of uh, just things that come naturally, like you know how you say how um, you know Crosby, Malkin, and Latang are all going to the Hall of Fame. Their careers aren't even finished yet. That's going to be the case with Dreisaitl and McDavid. But 
I do think that Evander Kane, getting back to your question, I think he is being propped up a little bit by McDavid and Dreisaitl because looking at Kane right now through seven games, he has one goal, two assists for three points. It's very lackluster. He spent, on average, he gets about 18 minutes of time on the ice per game, and he's been not that good and not that productive for the Oilers. Yeah, Kane, when it comes playoff time, though, Kane, he shows up. Another guy that shows up when it's playoff time or even primetime game, Zach Hyman. Let's talk about the former Maple Leaf. He just loves scoring in outdoor games. He scored in the NHL Centennial back in 2017 when the Leafs and Red Wings met for the Winter Classic. The NHL actually had two Winter Classics that year with that being the NHL Centennial because that marked 100 years of the National Hockey League, which started in in 1917. And then the next day, the Blues and Blackhawks met for their version of the Winter Classic at Bush Stadium, home of the Cardinals in St. Louis. Hyman, three goals on the year. Hyman in the playoffs, though, last year, you could argue the whole reason the Oilers got by the Kings and they had so the Kings gave them some trouble was because of players like Zach Hyman and Evander Kane. But like you had just said, Anissa, Zach Hyman's been playing alongside good old 97, Connor McDavid, automatic bid to the Hockey Hall of Fame when he hangs up the skates. So it's easy to inflate his stats. I do think it's worth noting that Evander Kane's goal last night was an empty netter. I knew you were going to say that. It wasn't even like he had any um, adversity in the way to scoring it. Empty net. I mean, if you whiff that, I don't know what to tell you. Like, it's empty. There's nothing blocking you. Um, Good for him, though, getting a goal. Yep. So it was all Oilers early on, but the Flames did get one back to make it 2-1 at the 1455 mark of the first period. Nazem Kadri finally gets off the schneid and puts his first of the year in with assists from other newcomers in Mackenzie Weger and Jonathan Huberto and Anissa. I just have to laugh when I see this entry into the stat sheet because these are the three newbies on the block from last year's offseason acquisitions. And I just think it's funny. We were talking before we came on the air about how the Florida Panthers fleece the Calgary Flames, and the Calgary Flames are one of my favorite teams. I'm a huge Flames fan, probably the only Flames fan in the tri-state area. That's not true. I saw somebody around Morgantown with a Calgary Flames front license plate. So you're not alone. He has, good, your car. he has very good taste then, and he probably hates the Oilers just as much as me. I mean, it's a Honda Fit, so it's not really that good of taste, but I'll give it to him because of the Flames license plate. Fair enough. He gets a he gets a pass because if it was Oilers, Jets, or Canucks shooting him a look, I just think this is funny because Nazem Kadri he has a career year for the Avalanche in twenty two when they go all the way. He was clutch in the playoffs. He scored that major goal with about twelve seconds left against the Blues to send them to the next round to send them to the Western Conference Finals. And obviously that year they defeat the Lightning in six at home. At the Lightning's home down in Tampa, no three-peat for the Lightning, Avs on top, everyone loves singing all the small things, every hockey team trying to recreate that now. Nazem Kadri last year, though, he kind of came down to earth, people were saying. And one thing I was trying to tell a lot of people that were talking about how come Nazem Kadri's not producing is that he had an absolute career year with the Avalanche. He played for the Maple Leafs for a number of years, and he was a solid player, but he wasn't a two-point-per-game player like he was in 22. Well, Thoughts on that? Was He He was in a contract year, wasn't he, when he was with the Avs? He was. Okay. Well, you know that old myth about players having their absolute best season when they're under contract. Like Aaron Judge had that monster season when he was just about to get a new contract. But did he not sign with the Avs because of – he wouldn't get enough money from them, or what was kind of like the situation with that? The Avs couldn't pay him, and the Avs are kind of in a tough spot with their captain, Gabriel Landeskog. He He's going to now be two NHL seasons removed from action. He's not going to play this year. There's a slim chance he plays in the playoffs this year, but it's kind of like if you're a baseball fan, Phillies and Reese Hoskins don't want to risk it. Guess what? His contract's up too. So I'm a big Phillies fan because I'm from Philadelphia. I don't think he's going to walk. I really hope he doesn't walk, but Landis Gog for the Avalanche, I don't know. 
he's only ever known Colorado. I think they're going to do everything in their power to keep him, but they just couldn't keep everyone, and that's how Kadri walked. Yeah, he was, the I guess, the lamb put out to slaughter. He was. And speaking of another lamb put out to slaughter, let's talk about Jonathan Huberto. And let me tell you, I'm not loving my investment on my new Jonathan Huberto jersey. I could easily be in for Halloween and people would tell me, oh, you're you're scaring me because he's having such a poor season. Once again, contract year, career year for Huberto with the Panthers. Gets traded in a blockbuster trade for Matthew Kachuk. Mackenzie Weger comes along with him too, and that might have been the trade of the year for the Florida Panthers. Is that you could argue that was the whole reason they beat Boston in seven games and went all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals? Well, to recap that trade, so Florida sent Huberdo, Weger, and Cole Schwint, who is playing in the minors right now, and a 2025 draft, a first round draft pick to Calgary in exchange for Matthew Kachuk and a fourth round 2025 pick that converts to a first round 2026 if Calgary's first slides. So what I'm understanding from that is if Calgary kind of drops down, then it will go up to a first round pick. Is that kind of how that works with NHL draft picks? It's kind of the same with everything, I guess. Um, But Matthew Kachuk, before he left for Florida, had... A great year with Calgary. He played all 82 games. He had 42 goals, 62 assists for 104 points, his best of his career. That is the most he's ever produced. Then he goes down to Florida last year, led them to a Stanley Cup final. He had, he was Mr. Overtime. Like, he put on a performance. I remember staying up for that one Carolina game. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. Four overtimes. And then he scored that goal, and he's like, I'm out. Like, he ran to the locker room. That He's gone. Like, they couldn't even get the camera on him fast enough. Ran. He was gone. In his defense, the Panthers did score early on. That goal should have counted. It was not goaltender interference, but Panthers win the game, ultimately sweep the Hurricanes, who continue to have problems deep in the playoffs. And the third guy involved in that goal in the Heritage Classic was also involved in the trade is defenseman Mackenzie Weger. And I think of this trade, the Flames got a good deal out of him. He's played solid numbers. He's not going to put up Kale McCarr numbers on the blue line back there, but he's a solid defenseman. He's not a stay-at-home defenseman. He likes to jump up in the rush. I'm hoping he has a bigger year for the flames but if you had to give him a trade grade a letter grade what would you give each side i think i know what you're giving the panthers i would give the panthers probably an a plus like they made it out good matthew kachuk is one of the sole reasons they made it that far and they had a fighting chance against the golden knights uh calgary Ooh, is there anything worse than like an f I don't know. Might have to give him a W withdraw. Like a G? Or just keep I indetermined. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Remains to be seen the best of what's yet to come for the Flames. However, the Oilers would strike back, making it a 3-1 game. 16-06 mark of the first period. Evan Bouchard strikes again against the Flames. He's an absolute Flames killer. The young defenseman for the Oilers. He might be Mr. Playoff time, too. Because last year in the playoffs, in that first round versus the Kings, anytime the Oilers were losing, Bashar would also would always get either a goal or assist, and suddenly they'd come back and win the game. Unfortunately, he really couldn't do that against the Vegas Golden Knights. But thoughts on Bouchard? Meh, I'm he's not, mad. I'm not, like, that invested in the Oilers. You know, I'm just, like, I'm there for the ride. I like watching them. They're fun to watch when, you know, they're not losing. So for the two games that they won this year um I don't know we're just gonna see I mean I like following everybody so I guess as the season goes along I'll have more opinions so you can jump those on me later but right now it's just kind of you know I'm on devils and penguins lock right now like that's that those are my teams that's who I am invested in and that is just you know who I go for Sounds good. The Flames would make it a 3-2 game in the second period as A.J. Greer, the former Bruin, gets his first as a Flame. Mackenzie Weger picks up his, another assist in the game for a second on the season, and the goalie, Jacob Markstrom, picks up an assist too. Markstrom has one assist. 
Huberdo only has three. Marstrom gets two more and Huberdo doesn't get another assist the entire season, they're tied. And I don't think they have the same trade value. I think it's a... I wouldn't say it's sad because you still have the rest of the season, but the way that the Flames are trending right now, I don't think that Kadri and Huberdeau are going to have good years. They're just, I just don't think it's there for the Flames. I could be wrong. So bookmark this, you know, put it on takes that were wrong, whatever. But I just don't see it happening for them right now. Yeah. Maybe next year, go out, get some new pieces. Get some, you know, pieces that will help you make those plays, but it's just it's not clicking right now for the Flames, and it's kind of painful to watch them struggle through it. The Flames are in a tough spot. Lost five in a row. Big game coming up tonight. See if they get back on track. I mean, you see Kadri, wasn't he he was disgusted last night. Like he does not hide his emotions. He it was all over his face. He was upset. He was just He's like, I can't believe I left Colorado for this. He signed a uh, seven-year, $49 million contract with the Flames. So unless somebody is willing to do something about that, he is going to be stuck in Calgary for the foreseeable future. Yeah. The Flames dealing with a couple injury suspensions, too. Their defenseman, Rasmus Anderson, really dirty hit on Columbus's Patrick Laine with three and a half seconds left in the game last Friday night. That got him a four-game ban. Unfortunately, that cost him his the chance to play in the Heritage Classic. Flames really suffered on the balloon without him. Also, Flames forward Adam Rzizka. He has a couple points on the season. He was out with an injury, too. So hopefully, if the Flames get a little healthier... Maybe they could still make something out of the season. Luckily, it's really early on. The rest of the game was all Edmonton. Vincent DeHarnay, the defenseman, gets his first NHL goal. What a time to get your first NHL goal. Everyone's favorite, Evander Kane. Evander, prime time with McDavid Kane. With the asterisk, with McDavid or Dreisaitl Kane. Does get the primary assist, I'll give him that, on DeHarnay's goal, which deflected off a Flames defender. And the last goal of the game was a Kane emptying that goal with... 57 seconds left. 47 seconds left. Nothing to say there. Slow clap. Slow clap. Slow clap. Congratulations. Was he... Did you see the videos of him kind of like sarcastically saying, you know, I didn't get much ice time tonight, so I might as well fight? Did you see that? I saw that. (laughs) Well, he got his goal, so more ice time for Evander Kane. Everyone in Oilers Nation needs to celebrate this. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Oilers fans. Evan, the Evander Kane that everyone knows and really doesn't love from the Jets and the Sabres and even the Sharks for that matter is probably going to come in the next few weeks. So let's also hope that he stays out of Vegas because he didn't do too well there. Well, we are still talking about the Oilers and we were going to talk about McDavid's injury. Um, Connor McDavid. Yikes. Just like bringing him back in. I feel like the Oilers said to him, they're like, all right, you need to speed this recovery up right now. We need to go into the Heritage Classic. This is our home game on our turf. You need to be here. You need to like, we need to win. And he was like, okay, okay. And he just went through it. Um, Good thing that they did, though, because McDavid did play a slight part in this win. You know, he got an assist. I didn't get to watch fully, so he could have had really good efforts. He looked like McDavid. He looked fine. We're totally fine then. He's fine. He'll be fine. You know, whatever. I just, you know, everyone likes watching Connor McDavid. If you don't like watching Connor McDavid, you're also lying. What do you say, Flames fan? I mean, like I said, I'm a huge Flames fan, but he's special. You can't hate on him. That's like people saying, oh, I hate watching Sidney Crosby. Why? because he's had a very good, long career where he's been successful? Is that why you hate him? Or do you hate him just because you want to be on the bandwagon? Well, I think you hate him out of respect. I think you hate them both out of respect. Another guy you probably hate out of respect, Nathan McKinnon. That was quite a filthy goal a few nights ago against the Hurricanes. Did you see the replay of that, Anissa? No, I didn't. Just spinorama, backhander, insanely very filthy and then his teammate Kel McCarr against the Islanders that backhander even more insane they are a dynamic duo McCarr and McKinnon like 
this is a duo that you see every once in a few years. And they've just been absolutely spectacular for the Avalanche. It's a shame that they could not score against either the Sabres or the Penguins. Uh, Penguins especially, because the Penguins have been very... Oh, help me out. What's what's a word to describe the Penguins right now? Very score-friendly. Their goaltending has been Swiss cheese. Sorry. A nice shutout. I'll give them that. So they couldn't have been Swiss cheese against the Avs, but... Two shutouts on the year. We'll give them that. Abs and caps. But some of the other games and the Senators from a few nights ago, 5-1. I'm sorry. It was 5-2. 5-2. Right. They got a garbage time goal. And I sat there through the entire game. I did not get up as soon as Brady Kachuk scored his second goal and people started flowing out in masses. I stayed in my seat. And I said, I'm not leaving until this game is over because I'm not one of those fans. Because what if they came back? What if they, you know, miraculously scored and tied it up in the next two minutes? It's possible. Never say never. But that was, um, uh, I don't know. It was a bad loss. It was a really bad loss, especially since the Senators are missing so many defensemen. But the thing is, like, the Penguins are a good team in their top six only. And their top six has been doing a majority of their work right now. And you had Carlson, Eric Carlson, four-game pointless streak. He broke that tonight, so he's good now. But it was just a night and day Penguins team from the Avalanche game to that Sens game. Yeah. Penguins nodded at three with the Ducks right now. Anaheim Ducks. Arguably the most unmagical team in the NHL, considering Disney used to own them and sold them because I guess they just didn't like their investment. I guess the fireworks don't occur inside the Honda Center anymore. Although this year, Ducks are at 500, 4-4. Four four. Frank Vichano looking like this year's Rocket Richard winner. He's already up to nine goals. Got another power play goal. I'm sure he'll have a 10th by the end of this game, considering the Penguins goaltending, like we were just saying, the Penguins having a hard time. Tristan Jari, I will support him. I will defend him. Yes, he is like Swiss cheese sometimes. But when he has his good nights, he is very good, and he is locked in, like we saw against the Avalanche. Locked in, this is a really competitive team. The Penguins were not favored at all to win that game. Tristan Jari, shut them down. Yeah, so let's talk about the Ducks for a couple minutes here. And I'll be honest with you, Anissa, I'm impressed. The Ducks, 500. Last year, the Ducks looked really bad. They had the highest chance to get Bedard. Unfortunately, Gary Bettman did not pick them for the draft. That's what Lambert said, that Gary Bettman directs the chips whichever way he wants to fall. I kind of agree with that, considering the Blackhawks magically got the first overall pick and the Jackets had to settle for Adam Fantilli. But I don't think it's a settle for the settle. Jackets. Fantilli, he's fun he's to watch. He's been paying off. Um... ESPN won't show you this, but Adam Fantilli has been... the Invest in the Adam Fantilli stock, and it will pay you back in dividends. Like, just the way that he's progressing right now, he's going to be really good for the Blue Jackets and maybe, possibly, give those people in Ohio a little bit of hope. Yeah, he kind of had that Jack Eichel feeling next to his name. You know, the little asterisk? next to his name in the draft where it says, hey, you're a star. You would have been first overall had it been any other year where you wouldn't have gone with a generational talent. Eichel, you could say what you want about the guy. He's had some major injuries, but Eichel's gone over to Vegas. He got a new star, and he's a leader on that squad. I'd argue he was one of the main reasons why they went all the way last year. And even he even had a couple injuries, too. He didn't even play the whole year, and he got him there to the cup. He got him the lift Stanley Cup on home ice there in Sin City. And this year... Golden Knights off to a great start. The Blackhawks finally beat them in overtime. They beat Go them in on. overtime and just ended the Knights. Yeah. So I personally was happy. I'm a hater to my core. So seeing the Blackhawks being taken down, I'm sorry, seeing the Golden Knights being taken down by the Blackhawks made me smile. I mean, I wish it was a different team that took them down, but still made me smile. 
going back to the Ducks, they're doing all this without Trevor Zegris. No Michigan's happening this year. Zegris only sitting at two points on the year. He even got benched for the third period a few nights ago due to poor play, is what his coach said in the post-game show. And he said, who do you think's the leading point scorer on the Ducks? You're not going to get this. It's Ryan Strom. It's Ryan Strom. Brother to Dylan Strom on the Caps, who Alex didn't even know that Dylan Strom was a Washington Capitol until about 45 minutes ago. (laughs) I thought he was still wasting away down in the desert in Arizona. You missed a few trades then. I know he went to the Blackhawks, but like I said, the Blackhawks, Coyotes haven't been much fun to watch for a couple years. So my bad to him on that. I'm happy he's having a better season. Ryan Strom played for the Islanders for a number of years, played for the Rangers, comes to the West Coast, two goals, eight assists. He's looked like his old self. The second leading scorer, though, Frank Vitrano. I, I just don't get it. The Bruins drafted him. The Bruins drafted him for an absolute steal. He took a couple years to develop, but he did put up good numbers. And then they let him walk to the Panthers. And Vitrano was just as good with the Panthers. You know, he wasn't putting up Ovechkin numbers. He wasn't putting up, like, Huberto one-hit wonder numbers. He was putting up solid second, third-line numbers. I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like the Panthers are the Pittsburgh Pirates of players. You know how the Pirates get all these really good players and then ship them off other places and they become great? See Garrett Cole goes to the Yankees. He's going to win, you know, Cy Young. Um, Tyler Glass now, Pirate, went down to the Rays. Absolutely amazing pitcher. So I feel like, you know, it's one of those things where you just kind of like develop them and the Panthers are let's say the Yankees at this point. Like, they get all these players and they develop them right now. Yeah, the Panthers are the NHL's Yankees except without the money. (laughs) And without the full arena on a lot of nights, unfortunately, too. You know, I feel like I messed that analogy up and it was super confusing. So just erase all of that and I'll come back with it next week and make it a lot better. Yeah, and the last name I want to talk about in the Ducks, Leo Carlson. Another top three pick from the draft that once again has been forgotten about in the whole Connor Bedard saga, which Connor Bedard, he's been fun to watch. He's getting all the media attention. He's the NHL's version of Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. You know, you'll just turn on your local 11 o'clock news and you'll hear about Connor Bedard, who's an 18-year-old hockey sensation for the Blackhawks. But you won't hear about Adam Fantilli. You definitely won't hear about Frank Vitrano, Nazem Kadri, or any of these guys, or Leo Carlson, but you'll hear about Connor Bedard. See, the reason you won't hear about them is because Connor Bedard was like two years old when Sidney Crosby was drafted. So, of course, they have to continuously bring this up because... It's Sidney Crosby versus Connor Bedard. But I think that ESPN has been, not even ESPN, I feel like the NHL has been really dialed in on the Connor Bedard hype that they've been ignoring, you know, Leo Carlson, Adam Fantilli, doing all these great things for their teams, you know, contributing because they want to see Connor Bedard get maybe an assist. I'm not I'm not downplaying Bedard's talents. He is a really great player. But you also have it was not just the Connor Bedard draft. There were it's the NHL draft. All the other teams got to pick as well. You have other players that you can focus on as well. Yeah, and another player they're not talking about, Tanner Lambert's favorite, Jeff Carter. Is he your favorite penguin or least favorite penguin? If you search through my Twitter, <laughs> which is not public right now, so you really can't search through it. You search through my Twitter and you look up Jeff Carter, you will see me rage tweeting the other night while I was sitting in PPG Paints Arena. And I said, I never want to see Jeff Carter play a single second on this ice as long as I am alive. Like, I do not want to see it anymore. I'm done. He contributes nothing to the Penguins. And it's honestly just like, oh, I feel so bad for saying this. It's like... A dog that is old and, you know, is kind of like dying, but the penguins, being his owner, don't want to, you know, let go of him yet. So they just kind of keep parading him around. And that's what they're doing, keeping him on that fourth line. It's sad. (laughs) Carter had some great years with the Kings. He had some good first years with the Flyers, too. He's a big part of 
our playoff run in 2012, another year in which we took care of the Penguins. But Father Time, he keeps coming. Time catches up. And as they say, hockey is a young man's game. Connor Bedard, he's 18. He can't even drink. He can't even gamble when his team goes to Las Vegas. They won't even let him near any of the sports books that people are betting on for the actual game he's playing in. Well, but yet the about, Penguins still have Jeff Carter. You heard about all that stuff like with the betting, how the NHL has put out guidelines for their players saying you can't even go up to somebody and be like, oh, I bet you, you know, 10 bucks that, um, you know, something so stupid because that is a bannable offense. Like it a suspension is. offense. Yep. And Shane Pinto, the Senators, found that out the hard way. He got a good 41-game ban. Has it been clarified what he was specifically betting on? It hasn't. It's a shame because he used to be a really good prospect. He's had some injuries, and he's he's a lot like Calvin Ridley. You know, he came up, and he had a lot of promise. And then Ridley had, unfortunately, you know, he had some mental health stuff he took the year off to take care of and then it came out that he was gambling and suddenly he was nowhere to be seen for a couple of years and thankfully he's back and he's having a pretty good season down there in Jacksonville but Pinto I don't know if he's going to come back from this because he's not a big name Ridley was a big name that was proven Pinto was never really proven and with the Senators trending up and they got a lot of good young guns on that team they got Brady Kachuk he's a great player they got Josh Norris he's going to be returning from injury really soon they got Drake Batherson they got Thomas Shabbat the defenseman he's out a month with a broken hand but he's very good Senators got a lot of good players on that team and they have Claude Giroux which I love Giroux I'm a big Flyers fan I'm from Philadelphia he was the face of our franchise he actually he wanted a gentleman's agreement with the worst GM of all time Chuck Fletcher and you wouldn't talk about worst people in the NHL if Jeff Carter's the worst player in the league well his his new agent should be Chuck Fletcher one of the one of the worst GMs I've ever seen I think Anissa I think anyone in Morgantown that knows nothing about hockey would do a much better job than Chuck Fletcher you could pull a random person off the street and it'd probably be a lot better I had front row seat to the uh, Sidney Crosby and Claude Drew battle that happened on Saturday. It wasn't necessarily a battle. It was kind of more like they were chirping to each other. They had them on the face-offs every single time without fail. It was always Crosby and Drew going out. And then I think at one point they were talking like they were going at it with each other just like a little bit. It wasn't anything that you could see. And then Crosby cross-checked Drew. Crosby got sent to the box And then, oh, I think a little bit while after that, Crosby scored a goal, and I watched the replays on Twitter when I got home, and whoever was working the camera the other night for Sportsnet Pittsburgh panned the camera over to Claude Giroux's face after Crosby scored that goal, and it was just like, it was disappointment all around. I mean, Giroux got the last laugh because the Senators won, but really... I don't really like it yeah. was just funny to witness no love lost between those two Claude Giroux obviously he was getting older his contract was up for the Flyers who were about to enter a rebuild they're still in a rebuild I know they're still in a rebuild he wanted to win a cup he thought he had only a couple more shots he unfortunately picked the wrong team that year the Panthers and he even said to Chuck Fletcher before the deal was official that it was just for the playoffs obviously the Flyers were tanking they were nowhere near the playoffs he said to Fletcher, you know, I want a gentleman's agreement. You know, you'll sign me back after because I want to retire as a flyer. And Fletcher said, I can't do that because as anyone from Philadelphia can tell you, Chuck Fletcher can't do anything except thankfully what, what he can do is be fired. That might have been the greatest day of the year for Philly sports fans. It's been a rough year. Philly's lost to the Diamondbacks in Game 7, not even going back to World Series. They lose to the Astros in last year's World Series. The Birds lose to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. The Union, the Philadelphia soccer team, they lose in their championship game. Our one bright spot of the year, though, oh, and oh, before I forget, and the Sixers lose to the Celtics, too. Lose the last two games to the Celtics. One bright spot of Philadelphia Sports of the Year, the day Chuck Fletcher got fired. I will always remember it, you know, like the day Alex Ovechkin broke the rook record for goals by a rookie in the NHL season. It was the Friday before spring break. 
I was about to take a chemistry exam. I was enjoying my Einstein bagel breakfast sandwich in Reynolds Hall, and I got the news that Daniel Briere, who is a great player for the Flyers, was replacing Chuck Fletcher. I, I did a celebratory dance, Anissa. Everyone thought I was crazy. I was like, we've been liberated of Chuck Fletcher's stuff. I, it's just, it was a great day. Did you go out on the town and go celebrate? I did. I got to celebrate with a nice six-hour bus ride home for spring break, but... When I when I got home, you know, they say it's always sunny in Philadelphia, and it was a bit sunnier that day now that Chuck Fletcher wasn't there. I'm sure any team that's willing to lose 62 games, ahem, the Oakland Athletics would love to pick him up for the front office. That's the same reaction I will have when the Yankees finally do something good and take Brian Cashman out. But whatever. That's, you know, that's just it. That's how it goes, and that's how sports is. So I'm glad that you remember that day so vividly because I don't think I would have ever remembered that. Yep. Let's change it up for a little bit. I know we're running short on time, so we're going to play a little game. It's called the Mascot Challenge. Anissa, are you excited or nervous? Be honest. I'm letting everybody know that when we did baseball in the spring, they do mascot, the mascot challenge on the board in center field, and... Alex just got every single one. Like even the most obscure ones, he would get him, and we would all look at him like, no way. Like, no way this is actually happening. But he's good at it. I will give him that. So he's going to ask me some first, and then I will try my best to. Okay. We To make this fair, we, we can alternate taking turns. I told Anissa before we came on the air to pick one minor hockey league that could be the AHL, ECHL, Junior Hockey League. She's selected the AHL, and we're going to do I give you the city and you give me the mascot, or I give you the mascot and you give me the city. Your pick. Um, give me the city, and I'll give you the team name slash mascot. Sounds good. Okay, I'll take it easy on you in the beginning here, and you can ask for a hint. I'm a big geography guy, so your hint will probably be a geography thing. Okay. Your first one, you said I give you the city, you give me the team name, Mm -hmm. right? The newest team in the AHL, Shane Wright's squad, Coachella Valley. That's an actual team? They're new. Okay, that was not a good first one. That's the Firebirds. That is. I thought you might know it just because they've gotten a lot of hype, just because you know Shane Wright's been down there and they're new on the block. I'll uh, I'll give you an AHL blue blood that's been around for a while. Hershey. Oh, the Bears. There you go. One for one. That was a warm up for Coachella Valley. I like it. You're off to a good start. You want to give me one? Yes. It could be from any junior league ACHL. So I did ECHL for you. Okay. Let's hear it. Newfoundland. The Growlers? Yeah. That's a tough one because, you know, they used to be the St. John's Ice Caps. They used to be the Jets affiliate. ECHL, for all you baseball fans out there, is the NHL's equivalent of a double-A team. In the NHL, there's the farm system's a lot smaller than the MLB. That There's only ECHL and AHL, which is the equivalent of AHL, AAA, ECHL, AA, unlike baseball that has four levels. And football doesn't even have minor leagues, and the NBA only has G League. All right, your next one, Anissa, will go up a little bit in difficulty, but it'll be another blue blood. And this one might be easy. It might be hard. Lehigh Valley. Oh, the Phantoms. We're from the same area. I know. I, you think I, I haven't heard of these? I got I got some that are a lot worse. You know what? I will Trust. take them. I'll take these. Okay, ones. two for two. Um, ooh. Let's go Idaho. Idaho for ECHL? ECHL. All these are going to be okay. ECHL. Sounds good. So we got the Steelheads. Yep. All right. Boise's team. Two out of two for okay. both of us. Now we're going to go up a little. We're going to increase a little bit in difficulty here. If you um if you know kind of about different sports and you know city nicknames, you might get this one. Charlotte. Oh, I I have this one in my head. Your hint is a uh, vroom vroom. Charlotte. <laughs> Race cars. You're close. Checkers. Sound like oh, checker flag. Okay. Okay, that was a little I bit of like a tough vroom, one. Vroom hit. Um. Hmm. Savannah. Ah, the the newest ECHL team. Let's go with the Ghost Pirates. Mm -hmm. 
they have some really cool uniforms. I have to give it to them. I'll have to check those out because I do like, ooh, they are the Vegas Golden Knights NHL affiliate. Okay. Now, next um, up for you, we'll go for Homer Simpson's favorite team, Springfield, the Springfield. Mm, hint. Hint. Um, this one doesn't really, but I'll just give you this one. This is the Thunderbirds. I don't think you're going to get it. This might be a little too hard. Uh, let's Let's give you one that's a little bit nicer that I think you can get um oh, I, I got a good one here you ready yep the Rockford peaches <laughs> like that was that was Rockford's a- Illinois think yep. like down on the farm Arkansas kind of like Arkansas except on the ice <laughs> the ice hogs you're losing okay here. all right let's all right let me give you one okay fair enough and i did say peaches do you know what the rockford peaches are the rockford peaches yes that's not an echl team no they were um a team formed during world war ii it was the women's baseball league that was a team that they had i did not know that that's really cool yeah they had an entire league um what about ooh wheeling Ah, uh, that's that's easy because it's a local team. That's the Wheeling Nailers. Yeah, I had to give you an easy one, obviously. Okay, I'll gi- I'll give you one. This is a lot easier, I think, because they've been around a while and they they share a name with their big league club, their big league club, Providence. Think geography. It's they're the Bruins. Yeah, that's that's an easy one. All right. Bo- little bonus question: Can you name me two other teams? that share the same name as their parent club, I'll give you a hint. One of them is the AHL affiliate of one of your two fil- um, fa- one of your two favorite teams, their AHL affiliate. Oh, Wilkes-Barre, Scranton. Yep, you got one. And the other one is one of their rivals in the division. They did change their name, though. Hmm. I'm going to have to study my AHL teams. Yeah. Really, I'm going to have to. Yeah, that would be the Bridgeport Islanders. We're the Bridgeport Sound Tigers for a year, but now they're the Islanders. One last one for you before we sign off and close off on our first episode of Checked Out. We will be checking out of this episode. Last one, the Allen. Americans. Yep. Congratulations. You went five for five, and I went two for five, two for seven. Uh, we six. took a couple, we, 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 we play with a curve here on checked out. So we'll, we'll get, we'll give you a three out of five, 60%. That's passing. I'm impressed next week. I'll definitely make it a lot harder on you. And Hey, at least I found a game I'm good at because on coach's hot seat, I get eliminated first every time. So maybe Joey will take me on Joey and Quinn will take me on in hockey minor league mascot challenge you would probably win that one by a very very long stretch well we shall see any final thoughts nope next week we will have a lot more stuff probably covering all the games that happened this week and update on anything that might have happened in the nhl sounds good so that is it for the first episode of checked out thank you for joining us have a lovely night